Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. So tonight I want to um, pick up from where I left off last week and I'm going to continue on on the theme of being established. Uh, it's, a, it's a word I feel God has given to me for, for myself and actually also for the church um, and probably wider for this year and for further on. So this is part two, but I'd love it if we could pray to start with. Thank you, Jesus, that you are present here. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this space. And we know that you are able to bring to life words that uh, are spoken. And we ask that you would breathe, Holy Spirit, on these words in Jesus' mighty name. Touch our hearts. Amen. So being established is about not building our lives on the sandy land. Remember we had us, we had somebody building a sandcastle over here. Who was here last week? Okay. So we had a sandcastle building over here. Here we had somebody who was attempting to build a, a tower with cards, but they sucked. So, so that, didn't, that, didn't go, that didn't go very well. And over here we had someone building with Duplo. And the illustration really was we started with a, a leaf blower, which was very fun. I got to blast the cards and they went flying everywhere and that was, that was cool. And um, then we had uh, a watering can, uh, which pretty much dissolved the, the uh, sandcastle. And over here on the Duplo, well, it did fall over, but it was on a firm foundation, so it still kind of existed. But the whole point of it was is that, you know, in life, uh, things can come along and either the winds can blow and, the, and the, the water can come, the rains can come, and the things that we think that we've built in our life through circumstances, they actually don't stand. They disappear. And so being established is about building on good foundations and building on a firm foundation. Um, in Psalm 71, verse 3, it says, Be to me a rock of refuge and a sheltering stronghold to which I may continually come. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. So this is talking about God being our rock and our fortress and our safe place. To be established means to build, to install, to bring into being on a firm, stable basis and to bring about permanently. God wants us to be established in Him. So to be deeply rooted in Him, implanted and ingrained in Jesus, as Gideon said last week, ineradicable. Ineradicable. Can we say that? Ineradicable. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Which is unable to be removed or destroyed. In Colossians 2 verse 7, it says, Your spiritual roots go deeply into life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to Him. Being built up in Jesus permanently, established, is such a strong word, isn't it? 
And I don't know about you, but I want to live my life rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Because to me, that's, that's the only thing that actually really makes sense in life. To grow up in Jesus, to be filled with the fullness of Christ. So not building my life based on my good efforts or hard work, not based on my good looks. Nobody's laughing. <laughs> or smarts. Not based on my gifts and talents, not based on my bank balance, not based on my family name or reputation, because we can lose every single one of these. And unfortunately, that does happen. Also not based on my education or my abilities, not even based on my level of passion, but on Christ and on the finished work of Him, on the love of Christ, on the power of Christ, on His life flowing in and through me. It's all about Him. Taken from Gideon's notes. Tell your neighbour it's all about Him. <laughs> Let's start 2019 with that. It's all about him. We were going to sing a song, but I think it's going to come at the end now. Um, the lyrics are, Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in love to those around me. And as I start the year and look at being established, to me, it's all about coming into that place of communion with Christ. It's coming to that place where He is the be all and end all in my life. In Acts 16 verse 31, it says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. And she says that, you and all your family. The ultimate definition of a life well lived is that you use your life to do that which is timeless and eternal and fresh and living in a way in your generation that is relevant, impacting and eternal. The fact that you are here today is not a mistake. You might thought that you were here, I don't know, just to pop in, but there's a reason that you're here tonight. And God has a plan for this time that we're here together. There's something in what's being said, something in the atmosphere that he wants you to hear, that he wants you to absorb. And it says to me that even though you thought you were coming here just to hang out, I know that the spirit of God is at work. He's at work in your lives and he's drawing you into a place of depth, of authenticity and of faith. Do you realize the life you now live counts for eternity? Did you know that your life matters? The way you live, the way you love, the way you pray, the way you go about your day-to-day -day stuff. And we should be living a life which is a demonstration of the goodness of God because He shines through each one of us. So what's going to be your legacy? Hmm. Uh, 
Well, David's here, so I'm going to go down that wee track, that wee rabbit hole. Um, about, you know, 10 years ago, David was very, very unwell. And as part of it, he ended up in ICU um, on a ventilator. And uh, it wasn't really looking good that he was going to come out of that. Um, all his body systems were shutting down. And fortunately, he did survive. And he got to make a speech at his 21st. And part of what he said in his speech, is just I just could never, ever um, forget it, was he was talking about the fact that he felt when he was unconscious that he had a choice to make. And that he said at that time, he said that I had to think about what my legacy would be if I didn't survive. And he said, I wouldn't be happy with the legacy at that point. There was more to my life to come. What's the more in your life to come? What's the legacy that you're going to be leaving? We're here in part to be part of something that changes the world. And it's the law of the Spirit from the inside that changes us, not the laws on the outside. No rule or regulation will ever change your life the way that inner conviction and fully persuaded of your beliefs will. You know, sometimes we can think, oh, you know, we're going to put all these restrictions on ourselves, whether it's diet or some, some ideas. We're going to put all these rules on us. You know, we do this at the beginning of the year, don't we? We do the, you know, the New Year's resolutions and we're going to live like this. And, um, you know, generally by February, as Gideon was talking about it this morning, by February, gyms are making a lot of money because the <laughs> the memberships that were made in January are no longer being used by February because people are going like, oh, stuff that, I'm not going. Uh, <laughs> so it's, um, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Unless you have that inner conviction, unless you have that inner persuasion, unless you have that strong belief, you will not uh, live a life uh, with conviction in any area. So it's just what those beliefs are that determines what your life will look like because everyone's got beliefs. And how did you get to that belief and what holds you to that belief? And if someone can argue you into that belief, somebody else can come along and argue you out of it. But we live in a world full of misconceptions and I've got a wee video here of a few that we can think about that are quite common misconceptions. So would you like to play that? Number 10, the Great Wall of China is the only man-made object visible from space. To see something on Earth from space, it would have to be pretty big, which the Great Wall of China, all 5,000 miles of it, certainly is. But it's only 30 feet across at its widest. Here's a photo taken from the International Space Station 200 miles above Earth. Can you spot the Great Wall amid the mountaintops? Here, right? No, that's a river. The wall is actually here. Even if you guessed the right lines by pure luck, this photo was taken with a zoom lens, so from the window of the International Space Station it would look more like this. Which pretty clearly makes the Great Wall count as not visible. As for the man-made part of this misconception, our glorious man-made cities blasting light into the void certainly are visible. 
Number nine, cracking your knuckles causes arthritis. Socially obnoxious? Yes. Gives you arthritis later in life as karmic punishment? No. Number eight, people only use 10% of their brain. If you haven't seen a medical drama in the past, oh, 30 years, you might not be aware that doctors now have machines that can see inside people's brains, and, contrary to popular belief, 90% of the neurons don't sit around all day doing nothing. While scientists don't yet know exactly what each part does, they do know that all the bits matter. So if you think that someone could scoop out 90% of your brain and you'd still be just fine, then perhaps you really only do use 10% of it. <laughs> Number seven, Eskimos have hundreds of words for snow. This one is technically correct, but misleading. Some languages, such as German, like to make compound words by running several smaller ones together, which is why German words are sometimes absurdly long. Inuit languages use compound words as well, so rather than say yellow snow as you would in English, an Inuit speaker combines the two words into one. But it's not really a new word, just a quirk of grammar. So technically Eskimos do have hundreds of ways to describe snow, but then so does every language. Number six, you need eight glasses of water a day. While doubtless some people would benefit from drinking more water and drinking less crap, there is no scientific evidence that eight glasses of water a day is the required amount, and some evidence that it might be too much. And while we're talking about water, Number five, tap water is bad, but bottled water is good. If you live in a paradise free from government regulations, like, say, Somalia, then you might have good reason to prefer bottled water over tap. But modern, functioning countries have something called health regulations, which cover both kinds of water. Also, water is extremely dense, making transporting it from those pristine mountaintops and glaciers enormously expensive, which is why bottled water companies don't bother. Bottled water is often just local tap water with a fancy label and an enormous markup. Number four, gum takes seven years to pass through your digestive system. This is pretty easy to disprove yourself, but it's understandable why most people don't try the experiment. Number three, blood in your veins is blue. The idea here is that blood in veins is blue, and it only turns red when exposed to the oxygen in the air. Thinking this isn't unreasonable. After all, your veins look blue, and medical diagrams show arteries as red and veins as blue, but it's the same mistake as thinking that Mountain Dew is green because it's in a green bottle. Pour it out and you discover that Mountain Dew is really piss yellow, which is probably why it's in a green bottle to begin with. The next time you get blood withdrawn from a vein, take a look. What color is it? Red. How much oxygen is inside a good syringe? None. Unless you're a horseshoe crab or Plava Laguna, your blood isn't blue. <laughs> Number two, fan death. This misconception is a specialty of South Korea. Here, the belief is that if you spend too much time with a rotating fan in a confined space, it will use up all your oxygen and you'll asphyxiate to death. Exactly how the fan, made of a lifeless anaerobic plastic, competes for your oxygen is unclear, but hilariously South Korean fan manufacturers, who surely must know better, include timers on fans to prevent them from running too long. Number one, people swallow eight spiders a year while sleeping. Supposedly while you're in bed, helplessly unconscious with your gob wide open, each year eight spiders find their way into your mouth and you reflexively swallow them. This is plainly ridiculous. Spiders love warm, moist places, so eight is far too low an estimate. Oh, I hope you're feeling really good about that. <laughs> All those of you who love um, spiders. Yes. So we can have lots of misbeliefs and we can be led along a garden path, can't we? In a high school in America, the class were learning about the Salem witch trials. And the Salem witch trials, they uh, tried to identify people who were witches and they would... Uh, they would, yeah, put them to death. Now, there's a, lot, there's a lot of, actually, misbeliefs around that, that they were all burnt at the stake, but actually none of them really were. Um, so I think 19 of them uh, succumbed to death uh, in, in different ways. But anyway, the witch trials, the teacher was trying to teach them about the witch trials, 
And their teacher told them that they were going to play a game. He said, I'm going to come around and whisper to each of you whether you're a witch or a normal person. And your goal is to build the largest group possible that does not have a witch in it. At the end, any group found to include a witch gets a failing grade. The teens dove into grilling each other. One fairly large group formed, but most of the students broke into small, exclusive groups, turning away anyone they thought gave off even a hint of guilt. Can you imagine it? Okay, the teacher said, you've got your groups. Time to find out which ones fail. All witches, please raise your hands. No one raised a hand. The kids were confused and told the teacher, you messed up the game. And he said, did I? Was anyone in Salem an actual witch or did everyone just believe what they'd been told? Who are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? And how do you know that your beliefs are secure? We all have misbeliefs and misconceptions in life, and that includes also about God. And some of those misbeliefs and misconceptions can be, you know, God is a big meanie, and he's just angry with me all the time. And he doesn't want good things for my life. Not true. But our misbeliefs need to be replaced with strong beliefs. This week, um, one of our congregation passed away. And it was very sad. He had a very strong belief in God. And right up until the end, his faith was, was, was in God. And as we watched um, his body deteriorate, his spirit did not. Not at all. He was fully persuaded, totally convinced of his Lord, who he followed, loved and believed in, right until the end of his life he had here. He had a strong belief in Jesus as his all. But his biggest concern when we talked with him in the last days was the amount of people who were facing a Christless eternity. And he had such an urgency, he really wanted to share with people and say, please, come into a place where you can believe in God. We need to build our lives on the beliefs we know to be true. And if we're not sure what that is, in James it says, if any of you needs wisdom, you should ask God for it, for he will give it to you. God gives freely to everyone and doesn't find fault. But when you ask, you must believe. You must not doubt. That's because a person who doubts is like a wave of the sea and the wind blows and tosses them around and they shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. The kind of person can't make up their mind. They can never decide what to do. It's one of my absolute favorite verses. When I don't know what to do, I just read that verse and I think, okay, God says, when I don't know what to do, I can just ask him and he will give me wisdom and insight. But when we live by our strong beliefs, our lives can look very, very different, can't they? Uh, John Wesley was a very famous preacher born in 1703 in England. He traveled 400 
kilometers on horseback, 400,000 kilometers on horseback, riding 32 kilometers daily for 40 years. He preached 40,000 sermons, produced 400 books, knew 10 languages, and at 83 was annoyed when he could not write more than 15 hours a day without his eyes hurting. At 86, he was ashamed that he could not preach more than twice a day. And he complained in his diary that there was an increasing tendency to be lazy and to lie in bed until 5.30 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> when did you last see 5.30 a.m.? <laughs> it was probably because you stayed up, right? <laughs> Not because you actually got up that time. Now, that is someone who is fully persuaded of his beliefs. But what if your belief is not that strong and you're more like the person being tossed around in the waves of the sea? Maybe you feel like you've got it for a while and then, you know, and then, you know, you've, you've kind of got it and then somehow you lose it. You're frustrated with your own lack of consistency and your ability to grasp truths. But without a doubt, I know that God wants you established in Him. I know that but I also know it doesn't happen automatically. And we say yes to God's establishing us. It's a partnership that we respond to. We do nothing, we get nothing. You have to receive and activate the blessings of God in our lives. Make your home in Christ. Having a habitual life in Christ. And Gideon spoke about this that this morning, having healthy, establishing healthy habits. And what are some of the healthy habits that you need to be establishing this year? Repeated action creates habit. Habit creates character. Character creates destiny. Walking in our destiny is actual evidence that we have become established in God. Are you walking in your destiny? Are you established in God? Because character is built decision by decision. Jesus can't do it for you. A lot of Christians are sort of walking around thinking that God's just gonna zap them and everything's gonna happen in their life. It's magic thinking, people. God is the strength of our life, but we get to partner with Him. We get to agree with Him. We get to walk with Him. We get to make the investments with Him. So what do you do to strengthen yourself in God? You're looking blank out there. What are the things that you do to strengthen yourself in God? Well, number one is to read the Bible. Because how do you know what your beliefs are if you don't even know what the beliefs are? Does that make sense? Do you know what your beliefs are? Do you know what they're based on? If you don't read the Bible, how can you understand what your belief is? And if you're like me, 
You know, I get distracted real easily. So I have to sit away from everybody and all the noise, which is quite difficult in my house. <laughs> and sometimes it's very late at night, <laughs> which is a very bad habit that I need to break this year. And so I found that a um, couple of weeks before Christmas, I actually ended up with an eye infection and I couldn't read my Bible, which was kind of sad. So I downloaded Audible Bible. Who's got Audible? <laughs> yeah, so that was great. So instead of being, having to read it, I actually started listening. And that was a really, really good thing. Learn to know what your Bible says. Discover it. If you don't know how to go about reading it, there's actually a lot of Bible reading plans that you can follow that are on the internet. And I'd encourage you to do that. And if you've got like a, a King James version of the Bible, I'd encourage you to get a more modern translation that's really much easier to read. <laughs> if, you, if you can understand it, you'll go for it. Um, number two is to make prayer a priority. You know, it's, it's often the last thing that we do somehow. It's like we get into a spot of bother and that's the time that we sort of think, oh, hmm, probably should pray about this. Has anybody else done that? No. <laughs> yeah. So making prayer a priority. And number three, surrounding yourself with other people who will encourage you and come to church is good. It's a good place to come. It's a great habit to develop. And it's a, it doesn't only benefit you, but it actually benefits the people who are around you. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I don't feel like going to church. But actually, you really could be letting other people down by not coming because maybe somebody needed to see you walk in and say, G'day, how's your day? Or how's your week been? We sometimes think it's all about us. <laughs> People will always let us down, though. Yeah. But the thing is to not hold on to any kind of bitterness because when you're bitter, it affects every area of your life. You have to let it go. Bitterness will keep you from your destiny. It's going to pull you down into depression, steal your dreams, and rob you of your joy. As we share with others, our own beliefs are also affirmed and confirmed. And number four, serve. Find somewhere you can serve. There's plenty of opportunities around here to help with pack up and sit down and doing all sorts of things, greeting people on the door. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's, there's things that you can do, like uh, we, we need some more musicians here for, for night church uh, and for morning church. So there's uh, plenty of things that you, you're able to serve with. And as you serve, you're sort of rubbing up uh, against other people and you're, you're meeting other people, you're meeting new people, and you're giving something of yourself, which is actually good for our souls. Yeah. You know, it's good to be unselfish. Um, and five, I just put here, is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because I think that um, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit is our power to live lives that are godly. It's the power that comes into our acts of service. It's the power that illuminates the Bible as we read it. 
And so if you're not yet baptised in the Holy Spirit and you'd like to be, we'd love to pray with you at the conclusion of the service. So come and find us. Maybe you've never made Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, as the lead person in your life. And tonight, I just wanna give you that opportunity. Is your life all about you? Maybe you're full of misbeliefs, disbelief or unbelief. But what could your life look like if it was fully established in God? What could it look like? Okay, we're gonna pray now. Thank you, Jesus, that you are wanting us to be established as we come into 2019 that you're wanting us to let go of misbeliefs, unbeliefs and disbelief and to come into a place of strong belief. Father, I wanna pray for everybody in this room tonight, Lord, that you would be establishing them, that you'd be establishing them in the Word, that you'd be establishing them in prayer, that you'd be establishing them in community, that you'd be establishing them in service, and that you'd be establishing them by empowering them with the Holy Spirit. And just as we pause, I just wanna go back to that word that Jared had about not trusting in our own understanding, our own intellect, our own great ideas, but to be trusting in God as we look forward into 2019. That as we look at the decisions that we're making for our futures, that we allow God to establish him, us in his ways. He knows so much more than we do about the future. The doors that God can open in our lives are amazing. And Lord, we thank you for that. I just wanna pray your blessing right now on everyone who's in a situation of making decisions. on everyone who's not feeling established, on everyone who's feeling like they're being tossed around like a wave of the sea. And I wanna declare that you are the God who brings hope. You are the God who establishes in our futures You are the God who brings life and health and strength and peace. I declare that now in Jesus' name.